And good evening, and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, broadcasting live from our Guys Guys studio in Harlem, USA, New York City. It is Monday, August 22nd, 2016. We have a very, very special show. We're going to talk about love, loss, and keeping that connection together and how to handle going through some hard times with special guest Lance Secretin. And he's got a book. He's a very, very published author, but he's got a kind of a one-off book called The Love Story, an intensely personal memoir. And we're going to bring him on when he calls in. And uh, how's everybody doing this uh, summer? Now, for Guys Guys Radio, I had a bumpy summer. We've had a good, you know, we've had some really good guests. I had a couple of uh, snafus with guests didn't make it. And then we had some crazy crank callers who have nothing else better to do than the to bother us here, but we rescheduled people. We're all set for now. We're set for the fall, and we're looking forward to more and more great podcasts of Guys Guys Radio. So let me tell you a little bit about kind of how we got here with Guys Guys Radio. As you know, all of our podcasts are available on either Blog Talk Radio Live, or you can download them on and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. And it all started with my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. And because of the title, a lot of people thought it was a nonfiction book, a guidebook about relationships. So we started, and the book, the novel is about relationships, and it's about a column uh, the main character writes called The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. The book's available. If you want to get it, it's on, you could help me out there on Amazon. Uh, you can also check me out. At Facebook, Robert Manny Author, Twitter at Robert Manny, YouTube, Robert Manny Author, and my weekly blog that I write that's got everything also, three free chapters of the book, a link to all the Guys Guys radio podcasts, all of our videos, uh, and a lot of other fun stuff at Robert Manny, M A N N I dot com. And it all started with relationships and about men and women being at their best so everyone wins. You know, my book, uh, even though we're working on something in the nonfiction guys, guys area, because the brand has really taken off. It's all about respect and it's not about how to pick up girls. It's about the changes and how to navigate the changes that have gone on in our culture between men and women. Women, as we know, are finally getting their long overdue recognition and to the great achievements they've had and their equality. And there's a lot, there's a long way to go, both here in the U.S., even though we're kind of ahead of the curve versus the rest of the world. But in other countries, we're so far behind in terms of women being treated equally. But also for guys, things have really changed because things have happened so fast here in the U.S. that men, in some ways, haven't had a chance to catch up. And we're, as you know, creatures of habit. And so for guys, young guys, the millennials, they're kind of caught between MMA and manscaping and the baby boomers are, they're not sure what's going on. And lot, most of them kind of identify themselves and define themselves based on their power and money until they get sick, until they get older, until they realize that if that's all you got, you don't have that much, even though you could have some creature comforts and take care of your family. Of course, you want to provide, but really wealth comes within. Wealth is spiritual. Wealth is love. And uh, it's changing, though. Things are changing, and hopefully uh, this Guys Guys movement, which is about positivity and when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. And, of course, you know, Guys Guys like to party. They like to have a good time. We like sports. We like women. We like 
hanging out with the boys and having a good time. So it's not, it's not all sanctimonious stuff, but it is about tapping inside being the best you could possibly be treating women with respect. And you know what? I always like to say that it's never been a better time to be a guy and there's never been a time where men are less understood or know less about who they are, but it can be done. Men can get over the hump and it's pretty simple. If we practice kind of the basics, respect yourself, love yourself, love others, think peaceful thoughts. You are what you think. You, what you think is what you become. So keep in mind what else is going on out there. Well, here in New York city, we have had a wicked hot summer and the weather finally broke. Today was a majestic, unbelievably nice day. Low 80s, clear as a bell, and the nice breeze blowing. Gorgeous. And we're supposed to have this weather right on through the next two weeks. So, you know, we've had a super hot summer. I mean, super hot. It's been uh, three, three heat waves, which means over 90s for about three or four days in a row. And on record, July was the hottest month uh, ever recorded. And only surpassed by 2015 was the hottest year on record. And 2014 was the second hottest year on record. So, you know, the science is there about global warming. Now, what causes global warming? warming. Some people say it's not man-made or climate change, if you want to call it that, is not man-made. And some people say it is. But the fact of the matter is things are heating up. And it's not just a short-term trend. It just keeps getting more and more consistent. So we'll see what happens. And hopefully, if we do the right things for the environment, the environment, nature always takes care of people when people take care of nature. And if we want to just deny everything and say, no, we just keep doing things more and more and let's, let's deregulate everything. You know, the only, the real problem with that, and I know we want to spur jobs and help the economy and help these corporations, but there's two problems. One, as we've learned, because the 1% in this country have you know, over 50% of the wealth, uh, the trickle-down theory uh, has been proven to not work. And secondly, what if we're wrong about global warming? What if it is man-made? What if it is really happening? What if climate change is a real thing? And then we're wrong about it because we ignored it. Too late, problems. So anyhow, something to keep in mind. Uh, with that in mind, we've got the election coming up in less than 90 days, and we have, uh, we have Hillary and Trump in the news every single day, the big stories now, I guess, are uh, the latest is Trump has pivoted again and he's got a new campaign manager, the guy from uh, Breitbart. Uh, so very super conservative. And then we've got uh, Hillary, who's been challenged now. Everybody's questioning her health. And I think actually the presidential candidates should get full physicals and not just hand in a note from their doctor, but just put it out there. If you're running for president and you're at this stage of the game, I think everybody wants a healthy president. So I'd like to see Trump's numbers. I'd like to see her numbers uh, because, you know, as apparently Trump doesn't have a very good diet and he seems like he's overweight. And Hillary apparently has some issues um, from her fall. She had a number of years ago and Republicans are trying to make a big deal of that. And we don't know. So let's get let's have them both get physicals and see how they're doing. That might be the easy way. Uh, What else? I noticed that uh, this weekend, and they said it was in conjunction with the full moon, I was at the beach, and there was amazing kind of vortex of blue light 
uh, going down to the ocean that I've never, my wife and I had never seen this before. And uh, we're thinking, well, maybe these are the powerful rays that are supposed to be coming in to kind of counteract all the negativity uh, that's happening with mankind on the planet. I mean, if you're a slave to media, I was reading an article today that the average person watches about five, American watches about five hours of TV and that is in front of a screen for another eight hours, you're basically spending your waking day, your waking day staring at a screen. Uh, and, you know, you could say that when you're on a computer, you're reading. That's good, but there's a lot of video there also. On TV, there's some great shows and everything. Uh, but, you know, you have to be careful with how much media you ingest. The, the advertising, and I'm from the world of advertising, is so rajasic. Uh, that uh, with all the quick cuts and everything, as well as a lot of the content, that you don't even have time to process what you're seeing before you're bombarded with a slew of other images. A little bit different than advertising was in the past. And then if we watch a lot of the shows, first of all, there's so many shows about dysfunctional people and dysfunctional behavior and all the uber violence that's on the air now. It's just, it's desensitizing. It's, it's unbelievable. But we all like a good story. So when that's woven into a story like I love the show Ray Donovan, there's a lot of there's a lot of graphic violence in it. But usually the violence isn't glorified and it is part of the story. So I can kind of see that versus things like, you know, the movie Deadpool, which was kind of wink, wink. Look at how violent we are. But you know what? It was still ultra violent. And we have to be careful in terms of how much of that we how much media we take in and consume, because it's really just different points of view. You can't believe everything that they tell you. So keep that in mind. I, I have a three-year-old son, and uh, we make sure that he does not see all these, you know, high-action TV shows. We give him a reward with a Thomas video or Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakquel that he loves, and things like that. But we find that reading to him, spending time with him in nature getting him to bed early, he gets lots of sleep, that everything I've read about that, it all pays off. They said that if you get your kids to sleep early, uh, they actually grow more and it's better for their brain too. So anyhow, things to keep in mind. Basically, it's about live a good, clean life as much as possible. You can party and all, keep it in moderation. And at a certain point, I think the biggest thing I've learned is as I've aged, and I've been blogging on this uh, last week, uh, actually one that's coming out this week. I wrote part one this week about the negativity, all the negative things that happen when you age. And there's a lot, but now I'm writing part B now, which is the flip side is what you can do about it. And a lot of it's based on science and a lot of it's based on common sense. But the one thing I've learned is you can't do what you did when you were 25 the exact same way. In other words, you can't eat the exact same food the same way. The food's different now than when I was 25. You can't exercise exactly the same because you need a little more recovery time. You get tweaks. As you get older, you get a tweak. It's your knee. It's tendonitis. It's something that goes, that gets better. Then it's your ankle. Then it's your heel. Just you always, as you age, you always get these little nicks that you never, you were like Superman when you were in your twenties. But as you get older, you get these things and it happens, but you can deal with it. It's okay. You just have to be smart and say, I can't do everything the exact same way I did when I was 25. That doesn't mean you can't have a great time or even exceed and surpass a lot of the things you do if you take a different, wiser approach. Anyhow, that's my speech. I hope you're buying into it. 
And I want to thank everybody also for hanging in there with me and Guys Guys Radio. We're, we're rounding the cur- tur- turn towards 200 episodes, 200 podcasts, and I can't wait. And we're going to keep going because I'm booking guests left and right through the fall. We've got uh, relationship experts coming on. We've got a, uh, the author of uh, Change Your Aura, Change Your Life is coming on this Wednesday. And we've got a fantasy football expert coming on before the draft because I know so many people, men and women, are so into fantasy football as I am. And uh, that's coming up. I have my draft on uh, the day after Labor Day, as a lot of people do. And uh, we're going to cover that beforehand. So anyhow... A lot to look forward to in September, but let's enjoy these last, you know, two weeks of the summer because the weather's great and uh, people are still in that summer state of mind. So have a blast, relax, get out in nature and take advantage of it. So let's talk about our guest, uh, Lance Secretan. His soulmate, Tricia, passed away uh, and he wrote a book about their relationship called A Love Story. I have it right here, and I read it, an intensely personal memoir, and it's really, uh, I'm, I don't want to, I'll say it's a, kind of a one-off for him because he's a leadership expert, and it's a very touching book, and it's a kind of a tribute to love and tribute to his wife who passed, uh, and Lance is a really interesting guy. He comes from a corporate background. He was a CEO of a Fortune 100 company university professor, award-winning columnist, and author of 15 books about inspiration and leadership, and now the memoir, A Love Story. Uh, He coaches and advises leaders globally, guides leadership teams who wish to transform their culture into the most inspirational in their industries. Uh, He's helped six companies be named to Fortune's Best Company to Work for in America list, and eight other clients. He's got the Secretance Center, uh, that is among has many companies among Fortune's most admired companies list. I actually got two books from our uh, publicist, from Lance's publicist. Another one is The Spark, The Flame, and The Torch, Inspire Self, Inspire Others, Inspire the World. We're not going to get into that tonight, but I had read that because I thought tonight's show was about that until I checked my notes last late last week, and I realized that we're going to talk about a love story, which is uh, a little bit different, but I read it over the weekend, and it's really good. So, Without further ado, let me bring on my special guest, Lance Secretin. Good evening, Lance. How are you? Good evening. How are you? I'm very good. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. I'm really Thank thrilled you. that you're here. Yeah, and good um, to be with you. I have to say, I, I admire your uh, kind of uh, career and life path because you've succeeded in the business. I come from a, you know, the business world, and I kind of recently started branding myself couple of years ago, starting with my novel and then building this whole guys, guys brand. And I, I was president of an ad agency and I've been in marketing and advertising for years. And, you know, as a background, it's corporate MBA, the whole bit. And you were a fortune 100 CEO. So I'm very interested in learning and I'm sure our audience is also, how did you kind of, uh, you know, get to where you were on the client side, if you will. And then when did you have your kind of V8 moment and kind of uh, expanded into building your personal brand with leadership and et cetera, et cetera? Well, I used to run a Fortune 100 company, as you say, and then I retired. I was 40 and I had a, it was kind of those kind of like a internet startup thing, you know, it was mm-hmm. very successful I didn't need to work anymore. I sort of thought through, what do I need to do now? And I decided I wanted to teach in the university. So I went to the university. They gave me a whole pile of books to read. I was teaching leadership. I read the books. 
and they were nothing like I had been doing for 14 years. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well... I'm not surprised. I, no. It was a lot of junk, believe me. And these are some of the great names. And so I decided I'd write my own book. So I wrote a book called Managerial Moxie, which was the story of how mm-hmm. we built the company from scratch to 72,000 employees. And it became a bestseller. And clients started calling me and saying, hey, come and talk to us about this. And so pretty soon my consulting outgrew my teaching. I couldn't handle my teaching load. So I thought, mm-hmm. hey, you know, if I'm going to choose, I think I'm going to be a consultant and a guide and teacher. So I'll be outside the academic academic world, although I miss that greatly. I don't miss the administration, but I miss the lovely sharp minds that I was working with in my MBA mm-hmm. So that's how it all started. Now, uh, give us a couple, before we get into the new book, um, a couple of like of your basic tenets on, uh, on, on leadership and managerial uh, expertise, because uh, I'm curious myself. My last, I was an executive vice president of a big agency. Believe it or not, my, uh, my CEO wanted me to fire our client because he didn't like them talking to other agencies, which is ridiculous because they all do all the time. There's no mm-hmm. loyalty. There's no loyalty anymore in a client agency relationship the, you know, the agencies are treated like vendors and they can make a lot of money if they're s- smart about it. So anyhow, I, I said, no, thanks. You, you, I came in to save the account. I did the, the, our client, which is a global, the biggest name in spirits globally has the number one brand globally. Uh, we let them go, and uh, I did new business for a while, and then I went off into an Internet startup, ran out of money in a year with the people I was with because so many of the startups don't work. Uh, and, you know, the good ones do, and the ones that have flaws, the flaws come to the top uh, very quickly. And then I went to another one, and then uh, then we had 9-11, and then I did wrote a, wrote a novel, pitched it, and then got a, worked for AOL for a while, and uh, that's a crazy company. And I'm like, no, this isn't for me. And I went back to consulting. I got a job with another ad agency. I came in as a consultant. I became president two years later. And I came into a super toxic environment where brilliant work and everybody hated each other. And I had to kind of duck and be patient and let people shoot at each other. And, you know, over a two-year time period, I became president. And then they tried to sell me the agency. They had some money issues and Everybody went off to do their own thing, and my second book uh, actually got launched, and uh, he, I decided I want to I pursue this angle. But managerial skill is something that I find, particularly in the service end of the businesses and in the Internet businesses, lacking. There's a lot of technical expertise. There's a lot of empirical data, but good managers are hard to come by, so, as well as good leaders. Talk to us a little bit about leadership, and then I'm sorry for my long soliloquy there, but then we can get into the book. Well, we spend $170 billion a year on leadership development. There are 244,000 books on leadership on Amazon.com. Every consulting company, every MBA program, every sports um, figure and celebrity, every mountain climber is running a program on leadership. And yet Mm -hmm. leadership is broken in every place you can think of. It's broken in Wall Street. It's broken in Washington. It's broken in academia. It's broken in healthcare. It's broken in the family. It's broken in the Roman Catholic Church. Name a place where leadership is working perfectly. We are spending a vast amount of money and resources just 
unthinkable numbers. And we are not getting anything back for it. In fact, we're actually going backwards. If you think about where leadership is, just look at the current election campaign that we were talking about earlier, or uh, look at corporate America, or look anywhere else you like. It's just a very broken scene. So rather than wailing about that, we say, well, wait a minute, we're intelligent species. We have brains. It would be a good idea if we stopped doing the thing that isn't working. So then the question becomes, well, what is working? And the thing that we're yearning for is not leadership. Believe me, we can't even describe leadership. We don't even know what leadership is. If I asked you what leadership is, I would defy you to actually give me a sentence that says what leadership is. It's mm-hmm. kind of like and Augustine said, I know what time is, but don't ask me to describe it. We, we, yep. we are the same with leadership. Now, if you can't even describe it, how can you teach it? So I came to the conclusion after writing a lot of leadership books and teaching leadership and so on, that it isn't leadership. It's inspiration we need. We're mm-hmm. yearning for inspiration. We want inspiring leaders in Washington, in Wall Street, anywhere else you can think of. Now, here's the rub, though. That is not the same thing as motivation. Inspiration and motivation are two separate ideas. Motivation is about fear. It's about manipulating yeah. people, it's about exploiting them and controlling them, getting results through them. That's the way we have been running organizations, politics, and indeed our society. So if you think about advertising, buy my product or you'll be ugly. Think about Mm -hmm. politics, vote for me or the bad guys will get you. Religion, join my religion or you go to hell. Academia, pass my exam or you'll (laughs) fail. Parenting, do what I say or I'll punish you. Uh, Business, do what I say or I'll fire you. It doesn't matter where you look. It's, you've got a fear-based motivational system, which is the raw underpinning of everything that we do in every part of our society. That's what's wrong with leadership. It's uninspiring. It's demoralizing. 65% of people who go to work today wish they weren't going to work. So what do we need? Something quite different, which is inspiration. And inspiration, if I, if I distinguish the two, motivation is lighting a fire under someone, An inspiration is lighting a fire within someone. And if you've ever known a leader who was a mentor or a coach or a teacher or someone who made a difference in your life, this would be a person who loved you. They didn't need anything from you. They were giving something to you. It was a service, Mm -hmm. the act of love. And they wanted you to do well. It wasn't about them. So for you, this was really a gift from them. That's what inspiration is about. And we are looking to be inspired. Uh, that's a beautiful answer, and it's all about, uh, I completely agree, uh, there's plenty to go around, and everybody thinks, well, if, if I have this, and uh, if you have that, and I have this, then, you know, that, that's it, it's finite. But mm-hmm. it, it isn't finite. There's plenty for everybody if we yeah. would just learn to help each other. And sure. uh, I gr- agree with you completely about inspiration. So one more question on that, and that is, if you, if you get that, but you're not running the company, and you're dealing with people below you, uh, as well as, more importantly, above you, how do you cope? Well, I think that it's very easy for all of us, right? We don't need to rely on someone else or go out there or point out there. Try it. I mean, all your listeners should try it right now, tonight. As soon as we're done here in this broadcast, go home and think about how you're going to inspire the person you live with. Mm Mm-hmm. Go to work tomorrow and think about how would you inspire the person that you report to. 
the reason you're getting all the crap that you're getting from the person that is your spo- supposed to be your leader is because you're not inspiring them. Imagine if they were inspired. Their behavior would change. Imagine if your spouse is inspired. Their behavior would change. Just walk up to a stranger in the street. Leo Bascalia, you know, used to have a wonderful uh, expression and, and a little story he used to tell. He would go up to somebody in New York just walking down the street and say, stop them, you know, a stranger, somebody he's never met mm-hmm. before in his life, say, are you happy? <laughs> and the guy would say, yeah. And then he would say, well, why don't you tell your face? Exactly. You know, and that's a really good line that we need to be aware of. Well, go home and be inspiring to someone and watch what happens to them. They will pay you back. That's the magic of all this. I agree 100%. That's beautifully put. Okay, let's let's pivot then and talk about your book. Um, speaking of inspiration, it's, a, it's called A Love Story, An Intensely Personal Memoir. And it certainly is because you're really pouring your heart and soul out into this, uh, your partner and you, Tricia. Tell us uh, kind of the big picture, what happened and what inspired you to put this book together? And how long did it well, take between your relationship and uh, her passing and their deciding to do this book? Well, it's a complicated story, but the book, you know, my my last book before this one was called The Spark, the Flame, and the Torch, and that's really about mm-hmm. how to be inspired, spark, how do we light our own I fires. have it right here, right in front of me. Yeah, how do we inspire other people, the flame, and then how do mm-hmm. we inspire the world? And so, you know, that's really in in my world a, a capstone book. It's a, it's kind of a um, a masterwork, you know. It's, 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 mm-hmm. It takes work sure. I'd done before, uh, throws out a lot of the junk, uh, which I wrote plenty of over 30 years, and then uh, keeps some of the best parts and then adds new parts. But then, of course, I had this catastrophe happen to me, which is the passing of my wife after 30 years. And honestly, uh, uh, my heart was broken. I mean, it's, it's over two years ago now since that happened, and I still cry every day. So it, it's, it's, it, it's been a very challenging journey. But I wrote a lot of poetry for her over the years, and I thought, maybe I need to take some of this poetry and do something with it. I don't see myself as a poet, honestly. I'm a business writer. I'm a leader, a coach. I'm a mentor. I advise leaders all over the world. That's my game. But I do know a little bit about relationships, too. I've had two of them. This one was 30 years, and it was sensational. And so I thought, I need to take some of that poetry which I'd written personally for Trish, my wife, not for publication, just for her, privately. And then I thought, well, I'll weave the story around those poems that describes our love story. And so I wrote the book, wrote the poems, dusted off the poems, made them sort of okay for publication, because they weren't (laughs) before. And this book really is a testament to what a great love affair can be like. We all can do it. The, the statistics are absolutely terrible. Over 50% of marriages yep. fail. Mm-hmm. The remaining uh, half, or less than half, about 45% that survive, 66% of those are marriages of convenience for money reasons. We That's can't true. afford to split, you know, the kids and so on. Mm-hmm. So what's left is 11%. 11% of marriages are truly romantic, passionate, loving relationships. Everything else is 
mediocrity by and large. So I wrote this book to say, you know, you can really have this. I had it. I nurtured it. I know how to do it. My wife knew even more about how to do it than I did, and I learned so much from her, and I want to share that story. So it's about the journey that we took together. Fantastic. Uh, let's talk about some of those things like the secrets of a deep, loving, sacred relationship. You sent me some ideas here, but I would love to hear from you as our audience would in terms of what are some of those keys to be one of those uh, 11 percenters, if you will. Well, I think that there are a number of them, and I think we all have our own list, don't we? So I don't mean to be so presumptuous that I'm mm-hmm. the only one that has the answer to all these things. But let's say that intimacy is an important part. Vulnerability, humility, respect, truthfulness, listening, communication, fun, humor, passion, love. Now, that's, those are some of the characteristics of a great relationship, but here's an amazing thing that happened to me. I wrote this book not as a business book, as a romantic book, as a poetry book, as a memoir, so something totally different from anything I'd ever done before. And then I had this amazing epiphany. And what occurred to me was that the reason that leadership is so broken is that we teach it like engineering. We teach about leadership competencies. We teach about holding people accountable. We have performance reviews. I mean, we wouldn't do any of those things in any other part of our lives. Can you imagine going to your wife and saying, okay, honey, uh, it's our six-month time when we're going to sit down and have a performance review. I'm going to talk a bit about (laughs) your budget and your key performance indicators and see how well you're doing and see if we can make some improvements over the next six months, and then we'll visit this again. You wouldn't get half those words out of your mouth. (laughs) Why would we even think that something so toxic as that in our personal relationship would be acceptable in our work relationship. And so we have this realization, at least I do, that we are doing this so badly and we are in such a sort of lockstep mode, you know, a bit like the Apple 1984 commercial Mm -hmm. where everybody is robotic, just following what the guy on the screen says. But if we ask, why are we doing this? Why do we do performance review? The most vile thing in the corporate world. Everybody will tell you that. Why do we do this? So what I realize is the things I just said, intimacy, vulnerability, promise-keeping, love, passion, these are the things that make a great corporation, not just the things that make a great marriage. And then you can get to the next step, which is actually it's all one thing. There is no distinction. It's how you live your life. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about your friends, whether you're talking about your kids, whether you're talking about colleagues, whether you're talking about your boss, you're talking about a corporate world or your personal world or any other world, or even if it's your relationship with God or nature, it's about creating an inspiring relationship. And the rules are the same. Mm-hmm. No, that's, uh, that's well, well put. Now, somebody, a, dyna- a dynamic leader like yourself and an inspirational leader, I might uh, also sh- uh, suggest how did you cope with when you have a partner who you've been with for a long period of time? Was it a surprise? Your wife uh, got cancer. Uh, and then tell us what happened kind of without uh, just the, the, the big picture in that. How did you deal with that? Was it a shock? Um, it's covered in the book, but 
What can you no, share? No, I wasn't shocked. It, relevant? It, it had been coming for a while. Uh, she'd been sick for a while, and uh, I knew it was coming. Uh, I'm not sure whether she did or not, but I think she did too. But she had a wonderful, wonderful attitude, great disposition, kept her game pace going, you know, right to the very end. And uh, I think we both just said, you know, this is a journey we're going to have to be on. I mean, there is a story I tell in the book about the fact that mm-hmm. when she got really sick, she was unconscious, she was on a uh, pain medication, I was operating a pain pump for her, I was her nurse and ran the clock, and clearly, she, I mean, she wasn't really here anymore. And we got to the place where she needed to go to hospice because I had people showing up three times a day, nurses and caregivers and what have you, plus I had somebody helping me, plus me. It was just like a very big deal. And I got to a place where I said, you know, I've spent half my life loving this amazing woman. I just can't let someone else be with her in the last moments Mm -hmm. of her life. I need to do this. And I canceled the hospice, and I, I said to... My, my cousin who was with me at the time, I said, you know, let's do this together. And we had the most incredible last few days and hours with Trish, and I don't regret any of that. It was an amazing thing. So yeah, that's how we we we, uh, we dealt with it. And, of course, as, as you probably know, uh, you know, I wrote a lot of poetry after she died um, mm-hmm. because... The messages kept coming through from her, so it was, a, it was an amazing journey. Now, tell us a little bit about that, um, if you would, if you would share that. I mean, after her passing, and uh, you're a spiritual guy as well as a as a leader. How did you keep kind of this uh, energetic connection, if you will, this love connection with your with Trisha uh, after she passed? How did you maintain that uh, vibe, if you will? Well, I still do. Um, you know, to this day, I still do. And uh, I, I remember sitting in the hot tub one evening, no, one morning, and I was watching uh, the sunrise. And this was a sort of a ritual. And rituals are very important in a relationship. So we had these amazing rituals. And one of them was to sit in the hot tub with our coffee in the morning, watching the sun come up. And I was doing this on my own now. And I was asking, where are you, Trish? You know, when people leave your life, pass away to another domain, mm-hmm. one of the questions I find anyway that I ask was, where are you? I mean, exactly. Where, where are you, in the clouds? Are you in a planet? Are you going the speed of light to another planet? What's happening? You know, or do you just mm-hmm. go to dust or what? I don't know. What's, what's happening? And the sun came up, and the sun was magical. And I looked at the sun, and I thought, wow, Trish, that must be you. It's so beautiful. It must be you. And then I got out of the tub and I wrote this poem in about three minutes. Mm-hmm. And I'll read it to you. It's called It Must Be You. Please. This is some of the magical moments that Trish and I enjoy so much. The call of the loon, the alpenglow, the eclipse of the moon. They're beautiful. So they must be you. The double rainbow, the mist in the veil, silent snow. They're beautiful. So there must be you. A puppy's love, sunset and Merlot, the clouds above, they're beautiful. So there must be you. These 
favorite moments of magic and joy, here at least, they're beautiful. So they must be you. They say that God's in everything, the dances we sing, and the songs we sing, they're beautiful. So they must be you. I searched for you, looked everywhere, and then I knew everything's beautiful because it's you. That's fantastic. You know, Lance, if you haven't considered it or done it yet, you've got to make this an audio book. <laughs> but it is. You can download okay. it from uh, Amazon.com. It's an audio book up Fan- there. Fantastic, because you have a great delivery and a great uh, authoritative, uh, warm, inspirational voice So uh, and beautiful words. Oh, thank so you. Thank congratulations you. on that. And I think your words came from inspiration. You know, it's mm-hmm. interesting because when people pass, my – uh, just a quick story. My my aunt, my mother's sister, they were very very close. It was my mother's older sister, and she she was a long term smoker. She got lung cancer, and like she she went down pretty quickly. And I remember I saw her the day before she passed, and she said, and she was not a religious person whatsoever. And she said, you know, I'm, I wonder what God has for me, or one, you know, kind of like that God had been speaking to her. Yeah. And what it's like to be with God. And I was like, wow, she's never said anything like that. And then she passed. And my mother was distraught, of course. It was her older sister. And then yeah. my mother, who is not, she's like a spiritual person, but she prays. That's how she does it. She prays and prays and prays. But a lot of it's, I think, fear-based. But whatever, mm-hmm. she prays. And she said she had this dream about her sister. And she said her sister pulled up to her in a sleigh, a big sleigh, coming across the wilderness in the snow. And my mother said, where, where are you? Claire, that's her sister's name. Where are you? And she said, everywhere. And that was the end of the dream. So I've told my mother, you should continue the dialogue with her. I mean, this is years ago now. Um, yeah. But I believe that it was certainly true. And I always remind my mother of that um, when she seems lonely for her sister, her mom, that they, they're not, they're on a different dimension, but you can still, you can still, communicate with them as they're part of everything as, mm-hmm. as we all are. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, beautiful you words know, you put uh, together. the way I, I say this to people is that we all get it in the end. Mm-hmm. The only question is when, yep. Some of us get it sooner. Some of us get us at the very last minute, but we don't leave here without getting the message. Now, with with that, I think you're right. With that in mind, I got my wake-up call just, by the way, two years ago. I'm a runner, and I was out running. I had tremendous pain in my left side, and I came home, and I was laid out for like six hours, unbearable pain. Same thing happened the next day, and it was 4th of July, and I was on vacation. So I didn't. I wanted to wait till I got home. Went to the doctor, got a CAT scan. He said, oh, you have a kidney stone, and oh, by the way, you have a growth on each kidney. I had to go in for two back-to-back robotic surgeries. And um, didn't know if I'd lose a kidney, whatever. Fast forward, everything turned out perfectly. And uh, there's 98% I'll never have to deal with anything like that again. But it was the wake-up oh, call. I've no lived, kidding. Uh, you know, I'm in better shape now than I was. I'm running all the time. I, you know, completely, you know, just marched through all of that. And I think because of my beliefs and my uh, trust and uh, – and doing my best to be on a spiritual path really re- and staying in shape really, really helped. But I think I oh. learned that 
You know, we're outside our body. Instead of people, a lot of times I think, think that there's a body wrapped around your soul. And Mm -hmm. I have recently come to the conclusion after a lot of reading is that I think our soul wraps around the body. Mm. That's nice. Well, we're both, aren't we? We are, as Pierre Teilhard de Chardin said, we are souls having a human experience. Now, the message, I think, Robert, is be careful of your knees because most <laughs> runners, most yeah. runners have knee problems in the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a repetitive motion. I've been, uh, you know, I've got to be careful on my right meniscus. Uh, every once in a while, it reminds me. Uh, I had run three marathons, and my third marathon, I was in the best shape of my life, and I had the worst marathon, which invariably is not, it's not a surprise because every marathon's a uh, an awakening. But every little nick and tweak that I ever had came out during the race and it was brutal but I got through it but you know as I was saying at the beginning of the show when we age you can't do exactly what you did the exact same way but you can do everything as you did if you're smart about how you kind of manage yourself but I guess the point we were talking about kind of the you know people getting it I got my wake-up call I got a lot more to learn but I am I tell you what the one thing I've learned is I spend an incredible amount of time being Uh, filled with gratitude for Mm -hmm. the littlest, smallest things. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's not going to change because I am. It's for real. And I have my rituals where I get up and the first thing I say to myself is I'm aligned to the truth, the truth, and then take it from there with some meditations. But you mentioned in the book, Lance, about the importance of rituals. And I would love to Mm -hmm. hear, and I'm sure our listeners would love to hear more about that. Well, there are lots of them, and they are whatever works for you, right? But one of the ones that Trish and I had was that every time I travel, I'm on a plane a lot, and, uh, you know, my life looks sort of like this. I'm I'm 77. I have the physical body of a maybe a 40-year-old or so. Mm-hmm. I yeah, ski I've seen your photos. Look, that's shocking. I ski 100 days a year. Wow. I kayak and mountain bike 100 days a year, and I am mm-hmm. on the road about 150 days. Now, the 150 days part, you know, I'm traveling. So I used to write a little card for Trish with a little love note in it, and I'd stick it somewhere where I knew she would find it eventually, like in the fridge when she reached for the cream to make her morning coffee or um, on the top of the hot tub when she opened it up when I wasn't there or under her pillow when she would go to sleep that night or... You know, in little places like that. So it was kind of a, a ritual. And she would do the same thing with me. She would write a little card and she'd stuff it in my travel bag or in my briefcase mm-hmm. or hide it somewhere where I wouldn't find it. So we always had this little game. And over a long time, believe me, I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cards. I don't know what to do with them all. <laughs> but they're all little small mementos of a ritual that we used to conduct for years oh, and years. Fantastic. And, years. Yeah, and I love one it because... Thing. No, I love it because the written word is actually uh, in my, for my wife's last birthday. I said, what can I get you? And she, uh, of course, I went beyond this, but she said, I want you to write me a letter. Mm. And kind of, I did a double take, and I then uh, I went back, and I sat down, and I wrote her a letter. I got her some stuff, but I, I wrote her a letter, and she was like, I just I want the letter. But uh, I think the exchange of the written word, heartfelt, is super important. And uh, also, you know, I think ritual is very important. When you were uh, in your business how how did you incorporate ritual, and how did you use that to inspire? 
I think that we have learned a lot from some of the Internet startup companies. Mm-hmm. You know, beer Fridays and casual uh, days and right. all those mm-hmm. kinds of things are rituals, and they are bonding tribal experiences, yeah. and they're very, very important. I mean, we in the big corporation, we tend to not do that or even care about it much, and we do it in a very perfunctory sort of way, so we give somebody a 10-year anniversary pin. You know, it's kind of lame. Right. But mm-hmm. some of the things that some of the younger companies do are really entertaining and fun, and I think that's what we need. It is the fun piece, not the ceremonial. That's important, too. But the pompous part of it, which most major corporations do, that's not so important. The, the mm-hmm. most important part is the unforgettable learning and loving experience, the fact that you think and realize somebody cared for you. What you were saying earlier about writing a letter, mm-hmm. it's not only the words you write, mm-hmm. it's the knowledge that you spent quite a long time of your personal life and energy investing in making that communication. It's kind of like mm-hmm. when somebody cooks a meal for you. It isn't the food. It could be crappy food. But what you know is they put a lot of love into it and they spend a lot of energy and time on it. And that's important. That's a, that's a fabulous gesture which you treasure. So those are the, that's the important thing about rituals. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think? What's your opinion of? Uh, just a little bit of an off, uh, off, a uh, little bit of a different question. But a lot of the uh, internet-based companies, and I visited them in my agency life, and I do have a client-side brand management experience and all that stuff too. But I noticed that it seems like uh, I'm not going to say the names of the companies, but a lot of them have a lot of amenities, if you will, mm-hmm. that that keep their workers there. It's almost like they live there. And my opinion of it is that it's a little bit of a trick. Uh, that's not what I call inspirational leadership. It's a little bit like we don't want you. We want you to spend your free time here as well as your work time. You know, it's the same well, thing when we're tethered to our that. companies through the, you know, through email and everything where, you know, you don't even have to be at the office half the time because you can get bombarded with uh, text messages and emails from work anyhow. But well, Robert, everybody's of... doing that anyway. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter, what, does what... it? I mean, name the company. IBM does it. Uh, you know, GE does it. All the big companies, mm-hmm. Walmart does it. The fact of the matter is, and I, I would defy anybody these days to say, I can go away on a holiday for two weeks and not look at my cell phone or my computer. <laughs> no, no That's way. just not the 21st century. It doesn't happen mm-hmm. anymore. So everybody's doing that. What the Internet companies have done is made it fun. So they're no different from anybody else, but they've lightened it up. What I think you you have to understand about the Internet companies is they work with margins that are totally different from almost any other company. I mean, some of these companies, big companies like Facebook and uh, so on, they have 25% gross margins. I mean, if you compare that to, say, Walmart or uh, Kroger or somebody like that, they have 1% gross margins. Well, when you've got a 25% gross margin, you can put in a gym. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the difference. So the lesson actually is, why don't we have the margins that actually support running a business instead of trying to fly through things with a 1% margin? Honestly, I was in Best Buy today, and I was looking actually for GPS, and I see the shelves are empty. There's no GPS units there. I mean, how am I supposed to buy one? And then Mm -hmm. I go to the wearable technologies, and I see no pricing. So I don't know how much these things cost. I'm thinking, you guys are going to go out of business. I can go to Amazon.com and find out the price of a GPS in two minutes. 
Exactly. And have Why it the next day. Up? And then you're going to bitch about the fact that the Internet is stealing your business. You're damn right it is, because you're not connecting to customers and you're not inspiring them. No, it's true. Most of the retailers now, they're completely lost. Uh, they're buying, the big ones are smart. They're buying up Internet, uh, you know, arms to to work right. with. But like Walmart, yeah. Yeah, it's just like the products on the shelf. It just sits there, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's up to you to shop around and get the best deal because you know the only company you'd be the only store you'd be loyal to is maybe some place independent down the street that you want to support but they can't right. com- can, they can't even com- compete anymore so it's every store is against Amazon and they're losing yes. because you yeah. know it's so easy to shop Amazon and the retailers right. but the other thing right. is with the margins like you're a writer you know the margin on your physical book versus the margin on the ebook as i do shocking right. Right? right, I got a 375-page book. It costs four times what the ebook cost. Margins better on the ebook. So download. Well, you know, this is all part of what it takes to be inspiring in an organization. Mm-hmm. I started my writing a long time ago with the very big publishers, and I soon realized your book is hot for 90 days and then you're toast. Another book comes along, and that's where they're putting all their energy. And pretty soon mm-hmm. I realized these guys don't actually even know how to promote a book. So I slowly reacquired all the rights to all my books and created a, my own publishing company. Now, tell me this. I mean, it, a book costs 3 bucks to print. You mm-hmm. sell it for 30 bucks. You think you can't make money doing that? I, I agree with you. I agree with you completely. I kept the right to my novel. Uh, I made a deal with a publisher that uh, would work with them, and I would keep the keep the rights. Uh, right. Which is, I Good think, deal. You, ha- yeah. you have to do that. Uh, right. I think having the experience of working with a major publisher and putting one book through the system, it's a psychic reward as well as understanding how the system works. But yes. beyond that, when you start to want to make money and you're pumping out books like you're very, uh, uh, you've done a lot, you've written a lot of books. And uh, I'm sure going your own way has been much better for you. Of course it has. But I think the thing is it's more inspiring, too. And uh, you know, it's back to where we started this conversation. It needs to be inspiring. It wasn't mm-hmm. inspiring for me when I would call a publisher and say, what kind of paper are you going to print this on? Because I want it to be on recycled paper. That's an important part of who I am and what I stand for mm-hmm. and what I teach and so on. They said, oh, we can't do that. We buy a billion dollars worth of paper. We make right. contracts for five years going forward. We can't just suddenly do something special for an author. I said, well, you have to if you're going to have, publish my book because I'm not going to go on industrial paper. And so we had a compromise. But that taught me a lesson. Mm-hmm. You know, who's, who's working for who here? I mean, the publisher needs to inspire the author, too. And I wasn't mm-hmm. inspired. It is, in the end, all about an inspiring relationship. That's what a love story is about. It's about the most inspiring mm-hmm. relationship I've ever had in my life. And what I learned from that is everything, I mean everything, is about an inspiring relationship. If you have a relationship with Starbucks, it's because you're inspired by them. If you have a relationship with your wife, it's because you're inspired by your wife. If you have a relationship with a rose that you're smelling, it's because that rose inspires you. If you love a poem or music or a song or a movie or a vacation place or a job or a company, it's all about the inspiring relationship you have with those. And the day it stops is the day you walk away. Mm-hmm. You've got to do a book called Inspiration. In all aspects of it. So I don't well, know I've what done the a title book called is, but... Inspire. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. 
Well, it's I have, called subtitle. I, the subtitle is what great leaders do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, I've learned a lot just listening to you, Lance, and I knew I would because as a CEO of a Fortune 100 company and all the success you've had, I knew as a business guy, I'd definitely pick up some, some knowledge from you and thank you because I haven't, I'm sure our audience has uh, picked up a lot and you're such a pro- prolific writer that um, I'm sure we're going to sell some books out of this. So tell us what else uh, you want the reader to take away from a love story and then we'll uh, talk about where people can find out more about you and your books. And maybe we can get together again and talk about the other book I have that I read of yours, The Spark, the Flame, and the Torch. You know what's interesting that people have told me is that they take the love, a love story. Mm-hmm. I just got an email today from someone saying exactly this. And I get multiple emails every day about this. And they say two things. One, this has taught me about my need to my game with my partner and the second thing they say is I'm going to take this book to bed Mm -hmm. and read it to my partner one little chapter and one poem at a time because it'll be the most inspiring thing we end our day with and it'll be romantic and passionate Mm -hmm. and it's it's a beautiful idea I love that Mm -hmm. idea I think that's I didn't think about that when I was writing but I Mm -hmm. love the idea that people will close their days with the idea of passion and love Mm-hmm. That's beautifully stated once again. And I got to tell you, I learned something else from you. And that is what I've been talking about is you can't do the same things the same way your whole life. You have to adapt. I need to find the next step from running. I use the elliptical trainer a lot, but you reminded me with the knees, you're hundred percent right. And some of your activities are a lot more gentle on the body, but I have to right. find something as I get older and to, to replace running because just pounding it out over time, it does wear you down. So yeah, your joints absolutely. and your neck. Well, and even skiing else. does too. So I have to be mm-hmm. careful of that. But you mm-hmm. know, running is a very hard sport. It's just so tough on the knees. Yeah, and I do Central Park, the six-mile loop. It's all hills. It's I've got to tell you, it never gets easier. I've run no. all around the world. Could it be never hard, gets but not easier. Not your knees. Yep, that's right. So Lance, um, tell us where we can find out more about you, where we can get your books. What else you have in the pipeline, etc.? Well, I, uh, you can find m- me and my books at secretan.com, S-E-C-R-E-T-A-N.com. Also, of course, on Amazon and all of the other Internet bookstores and the uh, physical bookstores, too. And, of course, you can buy books from our bookstore, uh, our website, and our e-store. Uh, what are we working on? We're working on helping organizations understand a really amazing message. Ditch what you think you know about leadership because it's obsolete and it's not working. Open Mm -hmm. your mind to an entirely new way of looking at this and you will transform everything, not just the corporation, but your personal life too. Because here's the the myth. If you, 60%, I'm a coach for for a lot of executives. So 60% of the executives I coach, terrible relationships. Now tell me that you, if you think that you can take your terrible relationship and leave it at home and not bring any of it to work and that people don't know about it. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. an illusion. And tell me the opposite. If you have a spectacular relationship at home, as I had, where my wife was my Mm -hmm. muse and my inspiration, where I'm lifted every time I talk to her, then I go to work, and I'm just bringing that to work, and everybody sees the joy and the, and the spring in my step. 
This comes mm-hmm. from my relationship. So I'm a more powerful leader because of that. So it's seamless, right? There's no beginning mm-hmm. and end to this. Every part of your life is joined together, and we need to play the same way in all of the parts. Beautiful. Oneness, right? Yes, exactly. And that's another book I've written called One, The Art and Practice of Conscious Leadership. Well, I've got some homework to do, Lance, as well as our audience, and you are prolific and uh, brilliant and inspirational. So I'm so thrilled that you came on the show, and I hope we can get you back to talk about the spark, the flame, and the torch, because I read that, and it really is. I guess it's a compilation of a lot of your other writing, and uh, it is inspirational also. So, first of all, thank you so much for being on the show. I hope we can talk again, and uh, it's just been a pleasure. Well, I love being with you. Thank you so much for inviting me, and I hope you'll bring me back. I'd love to do that. Fantastic. Okay, Lance, have a great right. uh, last couple of weeks of August, and uh, we'll talk again. You bet. Bye-bye. All right. Cheers. Okay, folks, that's our show for this evening. Our special guest, Lance Secretin. Uh, this book, his new book is called A Love Story, an Intensely Personal Memoir. As I mentioned earlier in the show, we're actually going to have two Guys Guys Radio uh, podcasts this week because we had a uh, reschedule. We're going to have Dimitri Moretis. We had a couple of uh, snafus getting him on the show, and we're finally going to get him on Wednesday, Change Your Aura, Change Your Life. And I'm really looking forward to that because it's a fantastic uh, one-of-a-kind book. And then we've got a fancy football expert. We've got a relationship expert. And we've got all kinds of stuff coming up in September. Uh, my hypnosis teacher is going to be on, Dr. DeMarco. Uh, and we have a lot of other fun stuff happening. So listen, everybody, make sure you have a great two weeks to get into uh, the Labor Day swing. You know, if you've been doing something in August, you can get it. It's a great way to get into September. I've been on a diet all August. No sugar. No condiments, no alcohol, no carbohydrates as much as possible. Uh, trying to get to that level of ketosis to, to lose some weight and really keep it off and really feel in great shape. Frankly, it makes it tougher to work out, but elsewhere I'm feeling fantastic. My energy level is up, and I'm doing that because I want to hit the ground running after September. Uh, what is it, 6th or whatever? Whenever Labor Day is, uh, first week of September, I don't want to be like, oh, no, it's getting dark. It's getting cooler. Here we are, it's fall. I'm still have my suntan oil on. No, you want to hit the ground running. You want to be inspired for the fall, as Lance was talking about, inspiration. So anyhow, have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you in a couple of days. And remember, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>